think about how delicately you hold your baby, you dress your baby, and you feed your baby. We do that because they're adorable, of course, but also because their skin is delicate. Know this. There is only one diaper brand that we recommend to give you the gentle protective care your little one needs. And that's Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. Their Swaddler's diaper absorbs wetness better versus the leading value brand and provides up to 100% leak-proof skin protection to keep your baby's skin dry, healthy, and beautiful. And when you use Swaddler's in tandem with new Pampers Free and Gentle Wipes, you'll keep your baby's skin healthy. The wipes are made from 100% plant-based cloth, and you won't have to worry about tearing. With Free and Gentle, mess meets its match. That's right. So download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. Birds are singing. The sun is out. Spring has sprung. Has your wardrobe followed suit? If not, you can get a refresh with Bombas, my favorite brand for socks, tees, and underwear that also has an amazing mission that we support wholeheartedly. Because for every incredible comfy item that I get from Bombas, they match with a donation to someone who is unhoused. Get comfy this spring and give back with Bombas. Head over to bombas.com slash hard things and use code hard things for 20% off your first purchase. That's B-O-M-B-A-S dot com slash hard things and use code hard things at checkout. Welcome back to We Can Do Hard Things and woo, do we have a treat for you today. So, We did an episode, two episodes a while back, number 263 and 264, that were about healing from, dealing with, and disentangling from emotionally immature people, Mm. okay? And our expert was, of course, on those episodes, Lindsay C. Gibson, who has changed so many people's lives Mm -hmm. and relationships based on her just wonderful takes and research about how to engage with people who may not be fully developed (laughs) emotionally. Okay. So those episodes rocked people's worlds so thoroughly. Mine, my world. Yes. That the pod squad became adamant that they be able to talk to Lindsay directly, ask their questions about what appears to be low so many people in their lives. (laughs) 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 You know what? It's just proof that there's so much room to grow. So much room. Okay. So the wonderful news is we have Lindsay Gibson back here with us today. And the crowd goes wild. <laughs> and she will be answering directly the Pod Squad's questions. So we are really hoping that this episode will offer practical ways to deal with people in your life who you might find difficult to deal with. Okay. Practical mm-hmm. strategies about how to get some of your power and peace back in relationship. And it was interesting too, a lot of the conversation that we did before was like, we were thinking about parents. And a lot of these questions are siblings, spouses, former partners. I'm intrigued. Yeah. That was a big theme was like, I'm so glad we talked about emotionally immature parents, but honestly, my parents are the least of my problems these days. I got 99 (laughs) problems. (laughs) It's everybody else. And then I also want to talk about like, how do we integrate some grace for people and how do we think about ourselves as maybe not fully developed? Because it's very easy to be like, here's that person, that person, that person. They're all jacked up. I'm good. How do I deal with them? <laughs> Which I love that strategy. But I also think there's probably a more holistic way we can talk about all of ourselves on the spectrum of emotional maturity. That's right. 
So here we have Lindsay C. Gibson, who is an author and clinical psychologist and has been a practicing psychotherapist for over 30 years. She has written several books which have changed so many lives, including Adult Children of Emotionally Immature Parents and Disentangling from Emotionally Immature People. Thank you so much for coming back, Lindsay. Oh, it's my total pleasure. It's so good to see you all again. Thanks Mm -hmm. for having me. Oh, you are so welcome. So let's hear first from Amanda, not the Amanda who is our host, a pod squatter, Amanda. Hi, my name is Amanda. I just listened to the pod about emotionally immature people, and it's just really hitting me. I'm a new mom. I have a one-year-old daughter, and the emotionally immature person that I've been really struggling to navigate our relationship is my mother-in-law, and it's really putting a strain on my marriage with my husband because we're trying to navigate being new parents, dealing with the relationship with the in-law and how to navigate the relationship that they want to have with my baby daughter and all of it is just so hard. I guess my question is like, how do I navigate my own relationship with my mother-in-law and respecting my husband's relationship and where he's at in his relationship with her, but then also navigating what the relationship could look like with my daughter in the future. I love you guys so much. Oh my gosh, this episode really just hit home. Thank you. Hmm. I bet you get a lot of questions about in-laws, Lindsay C. Gibson. (laughs) I really do. (laughs) It's a very popular topic. Yeah, this is one of those places where people other than your parents end up affecting you very much like your parents Mm. because the dynamics are so similar. So I love Amanda's question. Being a writer, I'm always oriented toward language. I notice the words that people use. And Amanda is using the word navigate several times, which I know is a very popular word. I use it all the time when I'm working with people and, you know, to put things in a kind of very competency-based positive way. We talk about navigating difficult situations. And so it's a great word. I notice when people use it with emotionally immature people that they're having problems with, it usually means, how do I do all the emotional work? to make this better. Mm. Okay. Mm. So when your fixation is on how do I navigate it, lots of times the secret message in there is how do I get them to do what I need them to do without making them mad at me? Mm. Okay. And the idea is that if you get to be skillful enough, if you're a good enough communicator or if you're emotionally mature enough yourself, that you will be able to find a path, Mm -hmm. which is what navigation is all about, Mm -hmm. that makes you feel confident about where you are and what you're doing. Mm -hmm. So that's what Amanda is trying to do. But I just want to make sure that everybody understands that when you're dealing with emotionally immature people, they really are not interested in navigating toward peace. Mm. They're interested in being right, and they're interested in getting what they want, not because they're selfish people, but because they're egocentric people. Mm. It just doesn't occur to them that somebody else could have a different experience, or they could have different values, or a different sense of what's important in life. They think they have all the answers, just like the four-year-old thinks that they have all the answers and they can't understand why you just won't get with the program and let them do what they want. So trying to navigate with people that have no interest in hearing you out is a very difficult thing and it's exhausting. Mm -hmm. So the first thing I want to say to Amanda is good for you for wanting to navigate this, Mm -hmm. because that's, like I said, that's a competency-based attitude toward the problem. Mm -hmm. But keep in mind that you may not be able to skillfully and gently navigate this to the point 
that the other person never gets upset with you. So Lindsay, should we think of it as each of these questions? The thing with navigating is you have a goal you're trying to get to. You have a destination Mm. that you're trying to go towards. So do we have to reorient what that destination is? Because somebody like Amanda could be thinking, how do I navigate this relationship to a loving, mutually satisfying relationship? But what I hear you saying over and over again is that we have to maybe adjust what our destination is. But part of navigating emotionally mature people, when I'm navigating or asking someone to navigate for me, I'm trying to get to not hit things. Like, mm-hmm. how do I avoid crashing? The icebergs, yeah. So if, yeah. if we have two <laughs> categories, we're trying to figure out where we're going towards. Where is Amanda going towards? What is she aiming towards? And then how does she miss hitting things along the way? Yes. Excellent point. Yeah. So Amanda and the rest of us, okay, are going to be navigating desperately to avoid those icebergs. I love that because the crashes with the emotionally immature person often feel so fatal. Mm. (laughs) I mean, it really does feel like nothing will ever be okay again. That's how emotionally immature people react. And that's how they get you to feel. So we want to understand that there's nothing wrong with trying to navigate. But what you're saying, Glennon, is really important. Navigate toward what? Mm -hmm. What do we want to end up with? And it's really unrealistic to say, I want to navigate so that there aren't any icebergs. Mm -hmm. Okay, because that's probably not going to happen because emotionally immature people get so reactive and they're often so emotionally needy and so vulnerable to stress they can't navigate stuff very peacefully. So they get very reactive and you get into a conflictual situation with them. But this brings me to the main point that I I wanted to get across to Amanda. And that is, how are you directing your energy? In other words, a great question to ask yourself when you're a new mother is, where is my energy going? What do I want my energy to go toward? What's my biggest goal right now. Mm -hmm. And I would hope that it would be, first of all, to take good enough care of myself so that I can care for that baby. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. You're no good to the baby. If you're so exhausted, you can't see straight. Or if you're so angry, you can barely speak civilly. All these things that have to do with not being able to take care of ourselves impact that baby. Mm -hmm. So taking care of yourself and taking care of the baby and hoping that you can give enough to your marriage that that lasts through the first few years. Those are your main goals if you want to preserve your family. Hmm. And we oftentimes act as if that shouldn't be a concern, that we have bottomless energy And we can just work and take care of the baby and have a great sex life and all of this. And it's just, it's insane. Mm -hmm. I mean, that is not reality for new mothers. Mm -hmm. So we have to think about where does Amanda need to put her energy? First, it's got to be in herself. Right there beside that is it's got to be for the baby. She is the number one person in that baby's life if she's the primary caretaker. And that is the first goal, is to give that baby enough of a bonding experience, a responsive experience with the first human being in her life, that that baby grows up with her tanks full. So if I were speaking directly to Amanda, I would say, Amanda, your precious energy is already spoken for. Okay, Mm -hmm. You don't owe it to anybody outside of your immediate family. And you have to protect your energy so that you have it for them. Okay. Mm -hmm. Now what happens with emotionally immature people, and we can just assume for the moment that maybe the mother-in-law has a little bit of egocentrism going on here. It's making it hard for her to be sensitive to the situation, but you have to find a way to decide what you need And then 
let the mother-in-law know that this is what I can do and this is what I can't do. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now, I know that Amanda would be probably freaking out at this point because here comes the iceberg, but the mother-in-law gets what's left over. That's just the way it should be. Yes. Mm -hmm. Amen. Grandma has been a child herself. She's gotten mothering. She's been a mother. She's done mothering. This is not the crowning achievement of her adult life that she gets to be the kind of grandmother that she imagines herself to be. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry. It's just not a fair goal to put that burden on a new mother and a baby who are just creating mm. this relationship that's going to last that baby for the rest of its life. Yes. Gibson. Yes. <laughs> Shit, I didn't think that's where we were going, but now I just don't even want to go anywhere let's else. Let's just stay here forever. Let's stay here right here forever. And then, Lindsay, it's so beautiful because I hear Amanda saying, but then how do I help my daughter navigate this relationship with her mother? But like all parenting, you won't even have to, Amanda, because your daughter will see how you do it, which is that you take care of your own needs, that grandma gets whatever leftovers you happen to have. You're, you won't have to tell your daughter because she will see how it's done. Right? Exactly. Yes. And to the extent that you can put it into words, so much the better. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, those mental concepts really help guide us even before we get into the thick of it with the other person. Mm -hmm. But the idea is that if I were speaking directly to Amanda again, I would say, Amanda, you have to decide what you can give to grandma and still have plenty left over. That's an important distinction. It's not decide what you can give to grandma. It's give what you can give to her and still have plenty left over. Love so it. that when she leaves, you are not collapsing on the couch and watching junk TV all night because you can't even relate to anybody mm -hmm. because you feel so tapped out. Mm -hmm. So the idea is that you're going to let her know in whatever clumsy, scared, deferential way you want to do it, that you can't do a visit this afternoon or that, no, it's not really going to work out for this weekend or you really need to call and I'll tell you how the day is going because the baby's kind of up and down. She's not on a schedule yet. I don't know how to plan things. And I'll be happy to tell you where we are that day. But I have to depend on you. There's giving grandma a job. Yes. I have to depend on you to contact me and check it out with me so that I can let you know when we could really enjoy our time together. Mm. That gives grandma a positive goal gives her something to do, makes her part of the family. And now she's helping. Yes. Okay. Yes. So you can approach things in that way. And you're finding your boundaries in the relationship. And like I said, you don't have to do this gracefully. Right. You, you don't have yeah. to be so adept that you're navigating this in a way that nobody gets upset. Mm -hmm. It's okay if they get upset or their feelings are hurt or your feelings are hurt. I mean, who's an expert in this? Nobody, because it comes out of the blue usually, mm -hmm. and you have to do it on the fly, on the spot. That's okay. But if you keep your goals straight, that I want to have plenty of energy left over when this visit is done, and this is about me and my baby and my husband and whoever else having enough time and energy to keep our family afloat that helps you to know when you need to set these boundaries. And then you'll find out as you try them out, whether or not it worked mm -hmm. or whether that was enough or whether it was too much. I mean, you'll figure that out mm -hmm. if you're not holding yourself to some perfectionistic standard. The weather's getting warmer, which is wonderful because we can say bye-bye to big bulky sweaters and jackets and hello to shorts and tees. I just ordered three of Quince's muscle tanks. Check out their European linen shirt dress. 
I got it in the blue and white stripes, classic. It's beautiful and summery and gorgeous and linen, and it was less than $50. All Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands, and Quince cuts out the costs of the middleman and passes the savings to us. But they only work with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. You will love all of it. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash hard things for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash hard things to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash hard things. We've all been there. You have a question about your credit card. You call the number for help and can't get a hold of anyone. If only you had a Discover card. With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. A real person. Get the customer service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. One thing I want to say, this is reminding me a lot of, it's like a leadership tactical approach to parenting. And I think like right before we get into avoiding the icebergs and creating conversation, one thing that is so important is that especially for early mothers is to really honor the leadership role they are stepping into Mm -hmm. as a parent of this young child, right? And what I have found in all the leadership positions that I've ever held is if you engage with somebody and you give them a place, give them a path that we're going to go on and ask for their help, Mm-hmm. people are so much more engaged and excited to want to get on that same path with you. Even if you're talking about an emotionally immature person, hey, something I really am going to need from you is X, right? That is something that, A, it's a great boundary setter for you. And B, it gives people, like you said, this positive way of interacting and engaging with the family. So become the leader that you now are, embrace the role, and then develop these pathways and plans so that you engage with your in-laws or your aunts or the uncles or whomever in your life so that they know that you are the leader and that you do have a plan. It's good. It's good. Yes. It seems to me like in terms of the survivability of all of this and in terms of that quote of all of the water in the world can't sink the ship unless it gets inside. It seems to me that Amanda's goal and the thing that she can possibly have success with is the relationship with the husband. Yeah. Because it could be that the mother-in-law, who the hell knows what's going to happen there, that could potentially be a source of constant and unyielding chaos in her Mm -hmm. life, which potentially could be fine so long as that water doesn't get inside to her relationship with her husband. So how do you navigate this? Often I think that we only find out how crazy our families were when we link up with a spouse and we look at their particular kind of crazy and they look at our particular kind of crazy and we get some perspective on it. So if Amanda's husband has just been surviving Now he's in this relationship. He has a new evolving understanding of what his mother is doing that may be okay or not okay. He might have any differing capacity than Amanda as to how much he wants to name that, confront that. Mm -hmm. But it seems to me that the future for Amanda and her daughter and her marriage depends on she and her husband developing some mutual understanding that Maybe they decide not to demonize the mother-in-law, but like some Mm -hmm. boundary setting together so she isn't fighting outside her house and inside her house for what she needs. And she might be in an especially hard situation, which is what I was thinking when I was reading that. Because isn't somebody, her husband, who has been raised by what Amanda's already identified as an emotionally immature parent, 
if he's not done a lot of work, wouldn't he already be in a tricky situation where I think this happens a lot in marriages yeah, where you're, right. you're like, you're now I don't know my position because I'm trying to keep my wife happy, mm-hmm. but my mom hasn't figured out that she is no longer the center of the solar system, mm-hmm. that the solar system has changed and now she is a satellite, but she won't do that. So I'm trying to keep my wife happy. I'm trying to keep my mom happy. What conversations can they have so that she's not babysitting his feelings too? Yeah, the navigating question. So ideally what we would hope would be that Amanda did whatever work she needed to do on her willingness to identify and say exactly what she really needs to her husband. Mm -hmm. Because lots of times, if you yourself, if, if Amanda had had an emotionally immature parent, she might have been raised to never be direct and specific about what it is that she needs. Okay, that would be forbidden. So her job is to find ways of identifying what it is that she really needs, almost like making up a contract with her Mm -hmm. husband. Don't accept any invitations with your mom until you clear it with me first. Mm -hmm. Can we agree on that? Mm -hmm. What do you think about that? Or it's fine with me if you take the baby, but I need some me time and that would be perfect. Would you be willing to do that? I mean, Mm -hmm. this is like contract negotiation. Yes. Mm But in order to do good contract negotiation, you have to know what hits you right. Okay, what feels fair, what feels doable. And she would have to do that process with her husband and overcome whatever natural avoidant or resistant tendency she had to being very direct and specific about what she needs. Mm -hmm. But when you get really nitty gritty, operationalized, what do we do when she calls and wants to stop by? Okay, remember, every time it happens for the first time, you won't know what to do. Mm. It'll probably be a mess. <laughs> okay, mm-hmm. But use each one of those things to sit down and make up part of your contract with each other. Mm-hmm. And then realize that your partner may blow it because who knows what dynamics could be going on. But that's okay. It's a work in progress. We're trying to find a way for the husband to be able to help. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I think really helps with these kinds of negotiations between partners is that this is not going to last forever. Feels mm-hmm. like it. Yeah. You have a newborn or even a one-year-old like Amanda. It sure feels like it's going to last forever, mm-hmm. but it won't. As the child gets older, as you get more of your energy back, you'll be able to function with this better, smoother. But in the meantime, you really have to accept that it might not be pretty, but it's something that we have to get through during this critical time in our baby's life. Mm -hmm. She doesn't get another infancy. She doesn't get another toddlerhood. We've got to give this to her if we don't want to have bigger problems down the road. So sometimes to make it time limited to the spouse really helps to give them that perspective so that they don't feel like, oh, so what am I going to do? I'm going to be protecting you from my mother for the rest of my life. Absolutely not. Mm -hmm. We're going to do this together for this very short-term, crucial period in our lives. I love it. And it's okay to make a bit of a hierarchy. It's okay to be like, no, the moment I become a mother, the importance of my role as a daughter-in-law has descended. Mm-hmm. If I'm choosing between keeping myself and the baby whole, energized, peaceful, or keeping your mother content in whatever way, I need to be able to choose the baby. That's reasonable. May I also add that that is also a very valid choice and hierarchy, even without a baby. Amen. Absolutely. Truth. <laughs> okay, let's move on to Julie. Hi, this is Julie, and I just listened to your podcast about emotional, immature people, and I think I'm married to one. We've been married. He's a retired soldier, and now I work for the Army since we got married and stationed in Germany. 
I didn't speak German, so I started working for the Army. So now I work for the Army. He's since retired, but he's got a wall. And I've been trying to break it down, and we had an impasse right before Thanksgiving where I said, you have a wall, and he said, I know I have a wall, and I'm happy with my wall, and you need to live with my wall. Mm. And I had an emotional breakdown. And now I'm trying to think about how I can reframe, because I have a great life, but I'm not connected to my husband, and I want that so badly, but I want to hear about what to do about an emotional, immature husband. Thank you all for what you do. I love you so much. I just wait for every pod to drop. Mm. Oh, sweet Julie. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of people feel like Julie and a lot of people get some variation of that response, which is essentially saying, I am who I am. I don't see a need to change. I'm not going to change. This is what you get. This is who I am, which is absolutely ridiculous. Yes. Because if this person were to go and get a new job and they said, we have some training for you to do. He wouldn't say, I am who I am. I don't, I, I'm not going to change for you. He would absolutely learn the job uh, and not have any problem with it. Good so. point, Lindsay. What the hell? God, yes, that is correct. <laughs> so here we go. To paraphrase Maya Angelou. He's telling you who he is. He is. is. Mm -hmm. Believe him. In no uncertain terms. And he's telling you what he's not willing to change at this point. Okay. So you have a choice, Julie, about whether to believe him or not, which is really a choice about how you want to respond to reality in general. Do you want to? fight with reality? Do you want to just give in to reality? What do you want your position to be? Hmm. And I think maybe the best place to be in a situation like this is I want this reality to change. Okay. That's what I really want. Am I willing to fight for the rest of my life to try to change this? And the answer might be, well, if I was seeing some progress, I might do that for a long time. Mm -hmm. And it would be okay because we would be working together towards something that was going to be satisfying to both of us. But if the person is keeping up their defenses to such an extent that you can't get a connection going with them, then at some point, you have to look at what that's doing to you. Mm -hmm. Julie, when you said that you had an emotional breakdown, it's no wonder because you were being told that your soul was not going to get the nurturance or the attention mm -hmm. that you crave legitimately as a human being in a close relationship with your husband. Oh. So it makes sense that you would have had a breakdown because here was a piece of reality that was too big to stomach. It was too big to take in. And we tend to kind of fall apart when things are too big to understand and deal with. Hmm. So you have to decide how much energy you want to put into living with this or trying to change this because you could make this your lifelong project mm -hmm. of either trying to change him or worse, trying to change yourself Ugh. to adjust oh, to someone yeah. who won't respond to you. Mm -hmm. And that would be tragic because that means that you're going to be sort of putting out that flame within you that knows what you need and wants to have a vital, mutually nourishing relationship with someone. Mm -hmm. I think that what works best is even as you're trying maybe to educate your husband or ask him to do some things that would be nurturing to you or helpful to you, that while you're doing that, 
you also kind of make hay while the sun shines by investing in your own connection with yourself. Mm. Okay. Mm. This may sound kind of trite or new agey, but it absolutely is not. People who don't invest enough time and effort into their own self-development pay for it. Mm -hmm. They pay for it in a big way, and especially in their relationships, Mm -hmm. because they don't have enough of a sense of self to withstand the kind of disappointments or conflicts that come up in even good relationships. Mm -hmm. So if you want your relationship to be better, work on yourself. Make sure that you have an inner self that wants to connect with you and that you want to connect with it and do whatever you need to do, whether it's psychoeducation, reading, talking to friends, getting into a group, individual marital therapy, whatever you might choose to do. But do something that makes you feel like you've got some traction toward a better, different life for yourself. And that way, down the road, when you get tired (laughs) or when you get fed up, you are in a position where you have a choice. Mm. Like, "Hmm, Mm -hmm. now I feel like I could live by myself if Mm. I needed to. Mm -hmm. Now I feel like this isn't the only relationship I could ever have. Hmm. I'm aware of different parts of myself now, different things that I have to offer people. So. That would be a self-development project that could only be toward the good. So if she feels like she's treading water in this relationship where she wants something and he won't give it, do something else to make this time productive while you're waiting to see if he would ever be interested in what Mm -hmm. you have to say. But I also wanted to mention, because I have this thing about language, when Julie says reframe, She's saying, how do I think about this differently? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That he just is refusing to give to me at an emotional level. Well, see, I'm not so sure that we want to reframe that. (laughs) Or maybe the way we want to reframe it is what I just said, that he's refusing to give at an emotional level for many possible reasons. I think the thing that reframe and then because I have a great life is probably the most common thing that I hear from women who are struggling in their marriages. Yeah. And it makes me feel like they are blaming themselves for the needs that they have that mm. are being unmet. Mm. Because like look, I should just be grateful type thing. Yeah. Like, how do I reframe this to make myself change so that I could have this quote unquote great life? I mean, I don't think that you have a, necessarily a great life if you aren't getting the needs met by the one person the most important person in your life. So I don't know. I just think we have to be careful on the blame that we put on ourselves for having human needs, having human needs. And for Mm -hmm. maybe somebody else not being able to fulfill those needs. That's not your fault. It's just like we all have needs. Here's an honest question for you with what I think is a pretty easy answer. When it comes to grocery shopping, would you rather wander the aisles of a store aimlessly looking up and down your self-made list? Or would you rather take a fun quiz about your individual goals and preferences and have a personalized cart built for you? Not to mention all the recipe recommendations and home delivery that come with it. If the latter option sounds more attractive, which I think it should. It for sure does for me. Then you'll want to check out Hungry Root. I loved the creamy chicken and bell pepper Alfredo that I tried. It was so yummy. And the added bonus of doing all my shopping from home made it all the better. Right now, Hungry Root is offering We Can Do Hard Things listeners 40% off your first delivery and free veggies for life. Just go to HungryRoot.com slash hard things to get 40% off your first delivery and get your free veggies for life. That's HungryRoot.com slash hard things. Don't forget to use our link so they know we sent you. If you want to learn something new, would you rather learn it on your own? 
from a random teacher or from folks who are the best of the best in that skill. I think I know which option most of you would choose. That's made possible by Masterclass. In recent months, they've added classes from the likes of Ava DuVernay, who gives us tips on how to reframe our thinking in all walks of life. One of our personal favorites recently was the one-on-one time we got with Amy Poehler in her class on preparing to be unprepared. So good. With Ava DuVernay. With over 180 world-class instructors and a 30-day money-back guarantee for new members, there's no reason not to get started today. And right now, our listeners will get an additional 15% off an annual membership at masterclass.com slash hard things. Get 15% off right now at masterclass.com slash hard things. Masterclass.com slash hard things. Homes.com knows that when it comes to home shopping, it's never just about the house or condo. It's about the home. And what makes a home is more than just the house or property. It's the location, it's the neighborhood, it's so much more. If you have kids, it's also schools, nearby parks, and transportation options. That's why Homes.com goes above and beyond to bring home shoppers the in-depth information they need to find the right home. And when I say in-depth, I'm talking deep. Each listing features comprehensive information about the neighborhood, complete with a video guide. They also have details about local schools with state rankings and student-to-teacher ratios. They even have an agent directory with the sales history of each agent. So when it comes to finding a home, not just a house, this is everything you need to know all in one place. Homes.com. We've done your homework. I have two questions. First of all, What is it in a person? Because I'm trying to think empathetically about, I know we're not going to change him. He's telling us who he is. What is it in a person that says, this is who I am. I like my walls. Because that's so different than somebody saying, I don't know what the fuck you want. I'm trying. I'm doing all the things. Like, I'll keep trying. I'll, or somebody who says, I am who I am. That's almost impressive to me because how the hell do you know? I don't know who I am. Like, I'll try whatever. And then secondly, it is, is what it is. Is it possible? Because it feels like to me what I'm thinking when I'm thinking of Julie is it's like she's a plant and her husband had water and he's like, I'm never going to give you water. Because isn't emotional connection or openness or some sort of vulnerability the absolute need? between two people in a close relationship? And is the strategy of self-nourishing just to gain the clarity you need to see the thing for what it is? Because I could spend my whole life trying to change you. It's never going to happen. I get weaker and weaker and weaker and less able to stand on my own two feet if my energy is going that way. But if I believe you, and so I build up myself, what I've seen happen with my friends, is that over time, it just becomes clearer and they feel stronger and the writing was on the wall. Yeah. That was a lot of questions. Yeah. And it's very possible that a person who has these kinds of walls has found that that is what makes them feel the most emotionally safe Mm -hmm. in life. In other words, emotionally immature people really don't dig emotional intimacy because it feels very threatening to them. It's like, why would I do that? Why would I lower my wall and then you could hurt me and then I could never live without you? And whoa, I certainly don't want that. So what they do is they're very happy with relationships that are basically transactional. You do this for me, I do this for you, and don't we have a great life? We're meeting each other's needs. You let me go out for beers and, you know, I let you go out and shop or, you know, whatever the the thing is. And if you're the person like Julie, you have to think about, well, if that's what makes him happy and makes him feel safe, then, okay, what makes me happy and makes me feel safe? Let's just take the next six months and figure that one out. Mm which would be a very productive use of your time. But if he won't connect, you can only change yourself and invest in yourself. Mm -hmm. 
which is a very worthy project. It helps you to do better in all areas of your life. But that particular scenario is like what I call the rejecting parent with the four types of emotionally immature parents. There's a a rejecting type of parent that has their walls up. They don't want to interact with the kids. They're not interested in the kids. And they have found their safe spot. may not be their happy spot, but they are emotionally safe. Hmm. And if that's what you're up against, you're asking that person to open the door to all kinds of anxiety Mm -hmm. that they're not prepared to deal with. Mm. So I also want to mention that there is a kind of a downward spiral that people get into where they ask for more. The person puts up the wall and they come back and they press further. And that makes the person's wall go up higher. Mm. So you, you get that kind of negative feedback loop where the person with the wall is actually encouraging (laughs) the other person to try to get close to them because they're so non-giving. And it's interesting to just watch and see what happens Mm. when, say, that spouse in the relationship pulls back and starts to invest in themselves. Mm. It's interesting to see When you change that dynamic of give me, give me, give me, and they're saying, no, I'm not interested. When you change that dynamic to I'm going to give myself what I need, what happens with him? Hmm. We don't know. Maybe he peeks over the wall. Maybe he peeks over out of curiosity to see what's going on over there. Is that the... He might. He might. Mm -hmm. He might start an affair. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Which would also be clarifying. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it would. I mean, you just don't know what's going to happen. But you can see that if you're pushing on a door that is staying locked, maybe you want to walk away from the door and do something else. And then we'll see what happens behind the door. Mm, Good. Can I ask a question about this? Because a lot of the dynamics that we talked about in the first couple of episodes feel so aggressively conniving or unhealthy and almost like they're actively aggressively bad. And then it seems like we have Julie's partner, which feels more like benign neglect, like not actively creating drama. But the problem is just a straight wall of emotional neglect. I think a lot of people live with that, with the kind of, they're not mean. They're not ugly to me. They don't create a lot of drama in my life, but I get nothing emotionally. Can you tell us, and that's the confusion of, but I have a great life, but Mm -hmm. et cetera. What does that, whatever I'm calling benign neglect, do to a person? Hmm. To the person who is on the receiving end. Of not receiving. (laughs) Right. The non-receiving end of emotional (laughs) neglect in terms of there's no connection there. There's not watering there. There's that I am happy with this relationship as it is with the wall up. Yeah, it's really hard to see that as benign neglect because right or wrong, we kind of tend to assume that if we marry somebody, we're going to have a relationship with them and we're going to be partners and take care of each other. You know, I mean, all these things that are in the wedding vows. So it's really not benign neglect when you essentially say, no, I'm not going to have an emotionally intimate relationship with you. I'm not going to take care of you emotionally. I'm not going to pay attention to how you feel. I'm going to let you feel lonely. I'm going to let you feel scared. I'm going to let you feel unloved. Mm -hmm. That is more like neglect (laughs) in the worst sense of the word. Not benign. Imagine what would happen if you did that to a dog or you did that to a Mm. child. 
Mm-hmm. Just said, I'm not going to smile when you come along. I'm not going to pat you on the head. I'm not going to listen to you. I'm not going to play ball with you. I'm not going to pull you up on my lap and make you feel special. Imagine what that would do to a child mm-hmm. or to a companion animal. Mm-hmm. It would break their hearts. Okay. Because that energy goes out at a heart level. The connection is trying to be made between two loving beings. Mm -hmm. And when we do that, the energy that it gives us, the synergy and the energy that comes up in that is huge. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm convinced that that's why human beings rule the planet Mm -hmm. is because we have this ability to connect right hemisphere to right hemisphere, heart to heart. As we do this, we bloom with extra energy. Mm. And then we start thinking about, you know, how do I do this and how might I improve that? And we have creative energy that mm. is released as a result of a good relationship. So we have that thing in us that wants to bloom and it wants to thrive. That is absolutely, as far as I can tell, a part of humanity. Mm-hmm. And it's a part of plants, for heaven's sake. I mean, <laughs> plants mm-hmm. gonna seek out the sunshine and your yeah, pollination. Yeah. And this is nature. Yeah. And so when you come up against something that says, Yeah, I don't care if you need this from me, I'm not giving it to you, then we have the loss. It's neglect, but it's also the loss of what we actually need to have our best energy. And you need that best energy to live your best life. So it feels like your vitality and your life force is being diminished. And you start to fade because then you start doing the self-doubt thing. Mm -hmm. Or you really wonder, you know, maybe relationships aren't all that they're cracked up to be. Mm -hmm. But if you try to make sense of it, that somehow you're too needy, or maybe you shouldn't have bothered him, quote unquote, so much. Now you're really on a route to turning against yourself. Mm. And you're on a route towards saying, yeah, I can't tell what is a normal amount to ask from anybody. I can't tell Mm -hmm. if I'm being reasonable or not. But of course you can, because your energy and your sense of hurt will guide you Mm. on that if you listen to yourself. So if we can pay attention to those cues, we can save ourselves from that that fading away Mm. that happens when we accept that kind of treatment from the people in our life that are not only supposed to be loving us, but they're really supposed to be increasing our energy with us so that we can both do life together better. Oh, Lindsay, it's so good because I mean, the amount of times I say to my therapist, like, but like, should I feel that way? Should I say this all the time? I think I need this thing, but like, should I need that thing? And over and over and she will say, does it matter, Glennon? You do need that thing. You just do. Even if your emotional connection needs are different than the next person, they are what they are. Mm -hmm. So to stop saying to yourself, should I need this and really admit what you do need? Do you ever hear people say, okay, I'm just going to be okay with my husband who says his wall is up and he's not going to give me what I need because I can get my needs met from other people. Like I'll just shore up my friendships. I'll just shore up my dog. Does that ever work? There's a a new movie out called Maestro, and there's a, a scene in there where the woman actually tried to do her marriage to the main character in just that way. Like she tried to pretend that she could go through life not needing very much from him or that she could meet her own needs. And there is a moment in the movie where she realizes that, whoa, I thought I could, but I can't. Mm. And it's a great scene because I think we can all relate to that. We can all relate to trying to get by with a bare minimum or trying to get by with less than what we really need. Mm -hmm. And there's a part of us that says, well, of course I can. You know, I'm a strong person. I'm a smart person. I can rise above this. 
but you can't rise above the little child inside yourself that needs that and will continue to need that, whatever it is, for the rest of your life. The only thing you really have control over is how you express that in the world. So like Glennon, what you were saying about, you know, should I need that? Should I want? Absolutely. Where you might need some help or change might be in how you ask for it or when you ask for it or whether you ask for it at that moment. I mean, you have control over how it's expressed. I mean, gosh, I've certainly learned that in my marriage that I'm not going to give up on my need, but I am going to try to be smart about how I ask for it Mm -hmm. or when I pick a time to discuss it, Mm -hmm. all these kind of competencies that need to be honed. Okay. But yeah, but whether or not you should feel it in the first place is really not the question. You are saddled with your own psyche. <laughs> and <laughs> that's a good t-shirt. <laughs> I'm saddled with my own psyche. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Saddled. Still saddled. <laughs> Still saddled. Yeah. Can't get rid of it. <laughs> but you can change your relationship to it mm-hmm. and you can help it get what it wants. Or let me put it this way: you can help it get as much as possible of what it wants. Mm-hmm by learning how to do that with other people better. But yeah, it's like you're trying to guide a missile that's already underway. You don't get to call the missile back and say, I want you to stop now. The missile's going. Your desire, your need is moving. Mm -hmm. And you just get to adjust its course. Mm. Okay? Like, not now, a little bit over here. And you can then become more effective in how you're asking for what you want. Oh, that was beautiful. I need to hear so much more about this. And thank goodness we are going to come back with incredibly juicy, wonderful questions from the pod squad and answers that are actually going to help us in our lives. So pod squad, come back next time and we will have more with Lindsay Gibson and you. See you next time. Bye. If this podcast means something to you, it would mean so much to us if you'd be willing to take 30 seconds to do these three things. First, can you please follow or subscribe to We Can Do Hard Things? Following the pod helps you because you'll never miss an episode and it helps us because you'll never miss an episode. To do this, just go to the We Can Do Hard Things show page on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Odyssey, or wherever you listen to podcasts, and then just tap the plus sign in the upper right-hand corner or click on follow. This is the most important thing for the pod. While you're there, if you'd be willing to give us a five-star rating and review and share an episode you loved with a friend, we would be so grateful. We appreciate you very much. We Can Do Hard Things is produced in partnership with Cadence 13 Studios. I give you Tish Melton and Brandy Carlisle. I walked through fire, I came out the other side. I chased desire, I made sure I got what's mine. I continue to
Bird Fair.